I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello! Listen, you smell something? Hello and welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Chance Star. And I'm Josh. No, we're not going to do that. I'm really bad. See, it's funny because you said and as yourself. And (laughs) I'm Josh. Like I could be like prompting him because he's not (laughs) talking. And maybe he was talking. He was just so quiet. (laughs) Maybe Uh, Josh is away once again. Uh, But we have uh, filling in this week is special guest. You're special. Oh, again. you're back to being special. <laughs> Hooray! It's Zane C. Weber. I was worried that I was oh. no longer special. You demanded to not be special, but I did, <laughs> and I, I continue to. But you're always special. Special is not something you choose, it is how you were born. And you, Zane, were born special. <sighs> uh, <laughs> hi, everyone. I'm Zane. <laughs> Uh, so we've got a very interesting episode because we made it up. We figured out what we were going to do like last night mm. and it's, it's going to be an improvised episode on improvisation in film. To be fair, this is pretty much any episode I've run. Pretty much. But I you always don't. have show notes and stuff. No, I don't. You have the running points because I demand oh, you yeah, copy yeah, them no, and paste <laughs> them to the thing and then I'm usually filling in the space that you leave behind. I was going to say, I keep on bringing up my notes on my phone and they're always empty. They're never going to change, but I'm always hoping something will. <laughs> but we always start by asking what have you been watching and Zane, what have you been watching this week? Uh, I have been watching a lot this week because I have not been sleeping. So I've continued to watch Black Monday... It has yet to win me over. Can I say, the pilot I had a lot of fun with. And yeah, the pilot com- was great. And then they completely changed the style of the show for the second episode onwards. So I've yes. only seen the second episode. Like, they shot in anamorphic. It had this really great tone. Regina Hall got to do her thing. And then it was like a Don Cheadle yeah, it was vehicle just Don straight Cheadle. after yeah. that. Wait, what? Because the pilot was, it was easily one of my favorite pilots in a very long time. And then the show that's Super followed- strong. Follow, the show that's come through is nothing as good as the pilot, which is almost the opposite of the case with like every other fucking TV show you ever watch. Do you watch. think maybe it's a, uh, it's a, um, well, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg directed the pilot. Oh. And so, so they obviously got rid of that. And then the network's like, no, let's not do it anamorphic in 235. I'm like, fuck, that was one of your best things. It just, what if they accidentally greenlit this show thinking it was another show and then they just made that other show? Maybe they did. And We've I don't all like done that it. mistake before. Yeah, Have I we? don't. I don't like it. Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> um, uh, on more pleasant news, I watched the second season of The Dragon Prince. As did I. I love that show. Which is it, it, it is. I, I think I'm not sure where you said this, but I do think that it is kind of the uh, the 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 next or the answer to. The Last Airbender. I mean, it's pe- the people who worked on The Last Airbender have yeah. then gone and made this show. And it's pretty much Last Airbender, but dragons and sorcery and knights and things. It did take a little bit to find its feet tonally mm. with the humor because 
Um, but then again, that's so same with Avatar. So, it, but what, now it's got and second season kind of really did some cool things. I'm loving Callum's story because Callum is like me as a child. Like that was me to a T, and I'm just I'm digging it so much. Um, I mean, I think the characters are a little less developed than uh, Avatar. Hundred percent was 100%. and is. I think the story is a bit more simplistic. Um, but they are trying to dive into it, and I always find it really interesting. What's his name? The the guy who's the black man who's technically the villain of the show, and mm. yet they're spending an awful amount of time with him. And so I'm finding that intriguing if I don't like it, because I'm just like, stop. Stop doing dark magic. You're a terrible person. You know, but... Yeah, who knows? Who knows? But I, I really liked it. It's... it's, it's not asking a lot. And I think I like the style they're going for animation. They really kind of hit on and they got some beautiful, beautiful work this season. So, yeah. Um, and I guess the only real movie I've watched in the last week would have I revisited uh, Spider-Man. Into the Spider-Verse? Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yes. Which is, it was better the second time. Oh, really? okay. Well, you're obviously going to catch much more of the visuals That's true, yeah. behind it as well. Chance, what have you been watching? Uh, so, um I am going to talk a bit about trailers I watched uh, as well, but I did watch the five-year engagement, oh, uh, yeah. which is the first time I saw that. Uh, it was good. So uh, as it's called in 2018, the engagement. hey <laughs> Um My main problem with it is that I thought it was going to go like, because I'm pretty sure the trailer sold it like it would go year for year for year for year, and it, each year it'd be like pushed back. Mm. But it was pretty much one year, and then it was pushed back four years. And the, and then the rest is the five years later bit. Oh really? Yeah, and I was like, oh that that wasn't really what I was hoping, uh, but it, but it was a good enough movie. I didn't dislike it. Um, got to see Jason Segel naked again, so that's always good fun. Uh, so the whole Hot. reason I watch movies these days, I'm like, come on, Jason Segel, get your dick out. Um, and then I also watched. It's a kind of funny story. Which oh, I know of this one. Why it was. Uh, one? Wait, I'm going to go back to it. I think it was 2010. Movie uh, starring Zach Galifianakis. Um, it's a it's okay, kind of a funny story. God that. damn it! You've lost me on that. So 2010. It's got Zach Galifianakis. It's got Emma Roberts. It's got Keir Gilchrist, who is an actor who's been in a bit. He was uh, a <laughs> he was the guy from It Follows, the kind of dweeby Which looking one? guys. The dweeby looking guy. The one who like has sex with her to take it off her. Boom, in that the, yeah, yeah, the nerdy one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, he. Uh, Keir Gilchrist, that guy, uh, plays this depressed kid who keeps on wanting to kill himself. Uh, so he ends up checking himself into a hospital. And then as soon as he gets checked into the hospital, he's like, oh, no, mental hospitals are scary. Let's not. And he tries to get out. But they're like, no, you're committed now. And I get it. The title's ironic. Yeah. And <laughs> it's uh, just a week of him in this hospital and it's a really nice movie. Uh, it's like him trying to sort out his love life and he's a teenager. So he doesn't know what he's doing. Zach Galifianakis is all like, I'm crazy, but I'm insightful. Uh, he helps Zach Galifianakis, Zach Galifianakis. Uh, helps manic, him. manic dream guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, pixie manic dream. So Zach manic pixie manic guy. Yes. A manic um, pixie manic depressive guy. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, uh, Jim Ga- Galifianakis, uh, God damn it, Jim Gaffigan, uh, who, have you ever seen Jim Gaffigan stuff? I know of it. I know the oh, name, he, but I don't. He's a great comedian because he's a stand-up comedian who is pretty much entirely family friendly, but you don't ever notice he's mm. family friendly. Mm. He's just a very funny comedian and he plays like this 
overbearing father who's like, oh, you gotta gotta do smart stuff. And then one is while he's in hospital, he realizes he's gotta be artistic because art is life. And yeah, that was pretty good. And then uh, I saw the trailer for Hellboy today, the new Hellboy movie. Is, it, is I heard this trailer's good. This trailer made me dislike it more. Oh, um, okay. Because I, I was like, keen for it. Finally, it's the R-rated. It's the one oh, we've all been waiting for. fuck off. I don't give a shit about the rating. Changing it from R-rating to uh, M-rating doesn't change how good the content is. Yeah, he's shooting people in the head. I don't give a fuck. They retell his origin story. Ugh. Why? Why do we need to see that? Why do we need to see a young Ian McShane? And by the way, Ian McShane looks like 40 in, in, in World War II. So how <laughs> fucking old is Ian McShane meant to be now? Um... <laughs> Some of the art looks like there's this really big monster just like wandering through uh, London. It, it was a really cool designed monster. Uh, I'm not really keen on Mila Jovovich. I like the fact that it seems like her character is some way connected to Hellboy, but we already saw that in Hellboy 1. I just really wanted to see Hellboy doing something different. And that's what I'm hoping we see. We see him. He goes to hell. He definitely goes to hell at some point. Yeah, That's going to be cool. But mm-hmm. I'm hopeful. But this this I'm not trailer, I'm remotely hopeful. <sighs> I'm just not. Neil Marshall doesn't isn't a filmmaker with a voice, so it's not going to be a film with a voice. It's going to be a film made by committee to cash in. I kind on, of see that to already. cash in on Deadpool. Um, and the other trailer that I that really stood out to me was the new Detective Pikachu trailer. <sighs> you're wrong. The more of this, you are wrong. The, the worse it gets, and the ah, worse the CGI gets. It, oh, see, I don't know. it literally looks no better than a video game of them. There is no, there is no difference between that and like fucking. Uh, none of them have fur in there. Like you can't see the fur. And yeah, you can definitely see the fur. <laughs> not, not Pikachu. Pikachu's already a smooth dude. Even yeah. in Detective Pikachu, smooth he was a smooth dude. dude. This one, he's a furry dude. The smooth twink. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I am still excited for Detective Pikachu. I am fully willing to be proven wrong. I would not be surprised if I am. But it looks hella fun, and it's. It's, it's gonna make a zillion dollars because everyone fucking likes Pokemon. But that's true. I'm I'm done. It just looks worse. It just looks worse. You're wrong. But go on, Shane. Okay. What have you been watching? Uh, watching quite a few things. Um, uh, Patriot Act with Sahan Minaj came back, which is the political comedy show on Netflix. Yep, yep, yes, yep. He looked at some interesting things like student loans, uh, pharmaceutical pricing. He does it in a very engaging, very uh, educational way, but. Always funny, which I th- really like. Uh, I started watching a TV show called Lorena, which is a documentary, it's a three-part documentary series on Amazon about Lorena Bobbitt, who is mm-hmm. the woman who famously uh, cut off her husband's dick. Mm-hmm. And it was this whole thing in the 90s. And Jordan Peele's uh, produced this documentary series cool. and it re-examines it through the lens of, you know, the kind of the misogyny, the, the, the abuse that she was going through. So I thought it was it's interesting, it's well done, it's very, it's very prototypical of the... A true crime thing at the moment, but it's it's well done. It's about a good topic that needs re-examining rather than one we've never heard of before. Um, Miracle Workers, I watched the first episode. Oh, great! Of that. How was it? Um, good. It's pretty in the realm of a Simon Rich. I show. also watched it. Did what did you? I, I've only seen the first episode so like far. It. I've Ooh. only seen the first episode so far. Um, I, I, it's not as good as Man Seeking Woman. Man Seeking Woman is very. Uh, Man Seeking mm. Woman is so your kind of yeah. show. Chance to like tuity. It's so in your alley. Um, I like Daniel Radcliffe in it, but I don't like Steve Buscemi as God. Is not a good choice. I and didn't they, like any of the casting. Not even Daniel <laughs> I think Radcliffe. They were all pretty bad. Daniel Radcliffe's fine. Sure. 
And it's but different. he's not doing anything that literally any white actor could do. True, true. This is true. Um, but I'm I'm going to stick with. I'm going to see where it goes because it's a limited one season show. Which oh, it I, is. Yeah, I mean it's cool. counting down. Yeah, so we'll God see. says the the world will end in two weeks, and so episode one is called. So episode two is called fourteen days. Then it's nine days, and it's, like, so it's counting down okay, till cool. the end of the world. So apparently, um, I started watching a show called Blackish, which is a really well known family sitcom that's won a couple of Emmys and stuff. Kenya Barris created Anthony Anderson's The Star, and it's basically like a black family, but a semi-wealthy one, and they're dealing with their identity being between white and black culture. Yeah. Um, it's entertaining, if occasionally weirdly homophobic in some cases. I get that they're going for w- it. W- when was it made? Like recently. They're in season oh, really? five now, So, but only about five years ago. Um, I watched Eaten Alive, exclamation point, which is... Toby Hooper's second film that he did after Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Now, this is very interesting because it feels like that should be the first film and then Texas Chainsaw is the follow-up because there's all these things that you're looking and you're like, okay, that I see those elements that then would have gone into Texas Chainsaw, except Uh. they're not. And it's really weird because it's not a great movie. It's kind of shit. But there's a lot of things in there that you can see as like bits and pieces of his style and, and what he does. I watched Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, which... Anyone know this one? This is Guillermo del Toro? Produced, yeah, Produced it's like it, the two yeah. fairies in a haunted house. But it's oh, like cool. a take on oh, that. Oh, yes, I have seen this. Yeah, with um, Guy Pierce. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have a feeling that it was kind of like, let's do my version of this, but better kind of thing. <laughs> um, it's good. Like, it's good. It's fun. It's 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 engaging. It really Horror falls- movie? Yeah. So it's a horror movie. Horror movie with some fable elements. It's very in Del Toro wheelhouse yeah. if you like that kind of story. It just doesn't have the perfection that Del Toro kind of brings to his stuff. Course, but it's very well designed, very beautifully designed and all that kind of stuff. And entertaining to a point. It has a bit of a, d- a bad ending. Like, not a bad ending. It just, it's a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What, bad ending. No, do- Douglas Adams. Anticlimactic ending, yeah. So Douglas kind of Adams? And like, because you Good always call. talk about that. Um, and then I watched a movie, a 1941 movie called Hell's a Poppin', which has got to be one of the weirdest fucking things I've ever seen. This movie, to explain its plot, it's basically Hell's a Poppin' was a musical, stage musical, and they're trying to adapt the movie into a musical. And the movie's about the people arguing about how to go about adapting Hell's a Poppin' into a thing. And that's the thinnest kind of plot. It's basically 80 minutes of sight gags. There's like a scene where they walk from the studio lot and then they're suddenly in the Antarctic and then they're suddenly in an aristocratic British thing and then they're suddenly in like a completely different thing. Like just scene to scene, they're in hell at one point. It's genuinely one of the most surrealist things, but I actually think I found it kind of entertaining and engaging because you were seeing these gags in an old-timey film which yeah, yeah. don't exist. Yeah. Um, and then and then there's, like, several musical numbers. And actually, you remember that viral clip of, like, the, the African-American and they're doing swing dance, but they're fucking throwing each other around and you're like, someone nearly dies. But don't, that's from Hell's a Poppin'. Oh. There's this whole sequence where all these black musicians kind of get up and do this song and, and I was like, oh, fuck, that's where that came from. And it was kind of really fascinating to watch because a movie like that probably shouldn't exist in 1941 when everything was so pretty stringent in the studio system. So it's a very interesting watch. I had to buy a DVD from like overseas for like 10 bucks, but it works in my region player. So I'm, I'm that's happy. all that matters. So yeah, the amount of times I've done that UHF, yeah. uh, that's the only one I can think of. Right now. Tremors <laughs> two. Uh, uh, but yeah, that's, that's all the things I've been meet watching. the feebles. Yeah. 
They were more. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Because I had to buy yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess we should do... Oh, Zane, you're technically not a part of this, but I guess you will You you will have seen the movies. That we're talking about you our recommendations from this tell us week. to watch something. Yeah, you can recommend... Feel free to recommend a movie of any kind if you want. Take Josh's place. Um, but So our recommendations last week, we'll talk about the movies that we recommended yep. to each other. So, um, I, I'll go first. I, yeah. so I recommended uh, to you The Disappearance of Alice Creed. Yes. So you watched this, yes? I did indeed. Have last you seen night. this movie, Zane? I have not. Okay, this is going to be a bit of a spoil, but I really want to address this. So Spoiler spoilers way. to anyone who hasn't watched it. Go back, watch it. So we recommend yep. it. it was Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and The Disappearance of Alice Creed. Go and watch these films. Alice Creed is available on SBS, SBS On Demand. Demand. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is on Stan. So Alice Creed is part of a genre I like to call, surprise, it's a gay movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It shouldn't have surprised me because I was looking at it on IMDb and it was it like won some award at some uh, LGBT film festival. Oh, I didn't and I was know like, that. Oh. And I didn't think anything of it until it happened. I was like, oh, yeah, won an award at an LGBT film festival. Yeah. Yeah, I, got me, movie. So it's, it's basically like a really bare bones. Two guys kidnap a girl. The girl's Gemma Arterton, and this was sort of one of her first roles. Mm. And they got her in there, and then the motivations of why they've kidnapped her, and it's for a ransom thing yeah. or something like that. And But the motivations aren't entirely clear, and as it goes on, you find out that the two guys who are like these like British gangster types, and they're actually lovers. Mm. And, and and so like, but and it's revealed as a twist, but not in a crying game way. It just, mm. it happens and it forces you to reconsider what, what, you've, been what you've been watching because yeah. it never hides, it never actively hides it. It's just happens and then you're like oh shit okay and you yeah, have to this, this explains this this explains this oh this is a yeah 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 and mm. i just found it like a smart little great thriller and like cheap as chips to make yeah because it's it's what two sets and a forest yeah 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 cool i have um, a forest how many sets do you have three. Oh man we can make an even better movie <laughs> yes. done um but yeah i just found it like i love a good thriller mm. And I just found it as sharp. Like, it's not the best of the best, and the ending is a little... I really, I like the ending. Not, like, I like the ending, but occasionally you're like, oh, you could have just tightened this, done this. It feels like it's like they had a really strong opening, and then they spent... They had to try and figure out how to fix it rather than yeah. going in with the plan writing, I guess. Um, I should really stop eating things and then carrying it in my mouth because my mouth is just like salivating really terribly as I'm That's talking. That's why I tried to put them away from me. I didn't realize I was putting it right next to you. And cause the issue even further. I'm putting him over here in his Zane because Zane's got more self control than us, probably. <laughs> um, but I would recommend you watch this film, Zane, because it's very interesting as queer film goes. Yeah, and the kind of queer film I want more of, where um, where it's it's it's, it's there isn't necessarily it's incidentally queer. Like the queerness of it, it it specifically in the story. Uh, the which can I ask? Watching the movie, whose side were you on? I was on the side of the guys, but I guess I found them a little Which bit attractive. Guy? Uh, um, uh, 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 not the guy who plays like a, a, a goon in like a bunch of other things. The, the younger, the, the younger guy, the one without the beard. I'm pretty so sure. So for the first half, I was on his side. Even like when it's clearly that he's a dickhead in this situation, I was like, "Oh, come on, Jim." Because he's being—he's kind of being strung along by the other guy, isn't he? I, no, I, I, the other guy is string uh, is being strung right, along yeah, by him. That was the twist. By of the movie. that point, I was like, "Oh, I feel bad for him now." And like throughout the whole rest of the movie, I was like, "Oh man, I mean, you're a dickhead and you're being really abusive, but he's just stringing." Yeah, the Josh Hartnett-looking guy, uh, Martin Compton is his name. Um, Josh Hartnett-looking guy. Yeah, he, he does like literally, he really in, does. like like in the in the poster he looks like oh, yeah. 100% like uh, Josh Hartnett. But um, 
I, when I started watching it, that's the twist of the movie. Full, mm. full disclosure, the twist of the movie is that you're thinking it's more like the the guy with the beard, the aggressive, technically the the one with more machismo mm. in the film. And so in that way, I like that it's usurping your cons- concepts of yeah. gender roles and, and, and sort of thing, and it's doing it all within the framework of it, a smart, fun thriller. And in the ending... Uh, sorry, right, right, right. As he finds out that he's being strung along, it's genuinely heartbreaking. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, 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 oh yeah. man, that's that's rough, dude. And then yeah. he kind of like realizes, oh, he has to kill him because he's being strung along, but he can't because he loves him. Ah, oh, yeah, no, it, it was quite good. And I liked Chanel pointed out about half an hour before the movie ended, uh, she was like, oh she's going to get all the money and that's why it's called The Disappearance of Alice Creed because she disappears yeah. after this point, no one sees her. And I was like, oh. And then as it was getting closer, I'm like, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. As soon as she she like sits in the car and she doesn't know what she's going to do and it cuts the outside, she starts the car and then the title comes up at the very end, The Disappearance of Alice Creed. And I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's yeah. why it's called The Disappearance. Yeah. It's not about the kidnapping. Yeah. So we've just spoiled this whole away. movie. Yeah, so <laughs> don't worry. Don't watch it. You know everything. I know um, everything. Um, but um, no, Dirty Rotten Dirty Scoundrels. Rotten Scoundrels, which I have stated on this podcast and in life a lot. It is inexplicably my favorite movie of all time. I've never seen it. Disappointing. I've yes, definitely seen it You've so many times. <laughs> okay, I was going to say. <laughs> watching this, as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, this explains everything about Chance Star, <laughs> like forever. <laughs> like specifically when Steve Martin is Ruprecht. Yeah. And in the scene, like, if you've ever seen you accidentally knock something over and then try and make a recovery, <laughs> okay, that yeah. is him as Ruprecht to a T. I do like, that this a lot. A and I'm like, this is just, this is just. <laughs> um, I found it really, I found it, it was interesting that it was kind of like Frank Oz at his most restrained. Yeah. Visually, like, he wasn't doing a lot of flourishes and gags, but it, the movie didn't need it. Mm. It played really well. I loved, and and that's not to say that there isn't really cool imagery. Like I thought the opening of the movie is really smart. That just is all on hands. Yeah. And then towards the end, that shot with the airplane. I When I watched that, I'm like, how many fucking takes did that take? Because that <laughs> would have been a bitch to line up the plane between the two guys and Dolly at the same speed. Tw- like I was just like, oh, that's going to be painful. And then I'm watching the movie and like that kind of happens. I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's nice. But... It didn't really give me that zing. And then she rocks up on the boat at the end. I'm like, holy fuck, this is perfect. It just, and then it makes the whole thing work. And I was like, fuck, this is a really good movie. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm glad you did. It's not my favourite Frank Oz. Little Shop is my favourite. Oh, uh, that, that's yeah. Probably I, I because won't it's ever a musical. Argue with anyone that <laughs> yeah, yeah. But oh, it was it was good. It was so it was fun and engaging, mm. and it blew through. It's nearly two hours. It's like an hour and fifty something minutes. Really, and it really How blaze, I never it noticed blows that. through that running time really quickly, really mm. efficiently. So there's never a sort of a point where it's it's dull, and it's weird how it's almost like two separate movies. There's the con with the woman, the the bet, yeah, but also the let's train the the guy and not. And not to, but I also did know. I was like, through the movie, what's fun is I guess the twist. Yeah, I was like, he's not the jackal because they because Michael Caine assumed he's the jackal, and they've never talked to him about the jackalness. Yep. So he's clearly not the jackal. Someone else is the jackal. I'm like, the only other prominent person in this movie is a woman. She's probably it, and she's probably gaming them. But even with that part of the knowledge, thoroughly entertaining from beginning to end. So I was I was really happy I got to see that movie. <laughs> now you've seen it though uh, and you've seen the trailer for... Oh yeah, The Hustle now looks the like hustle. a steaming pile of shit. You see, like there's so much that won't work with it 
the, the comedy of um, Rebel Wilson just doesn't work. Uh, the I don't think the entire ending will work. So they, they've got to change the ending because if they don't they've change the They've got to the change ending, the whole thing. Like, th- but they haven't. Oh, yeah, no, the ending, like, every scene is exactly the same. But, yeah. also, but also thematically, the one thing I point out is that the whole theme of the movie is kind of like men are stupid. Yeah. Exactly. And think themselves the top of the world. And I'm like, how is that then being usurped in the hustle? Well, the only not. way it can in the hustle is if it, ter- if it turns out that it's the same ending and they misunderestimated the guy, then is it saying that women are stupid? Yeah. The only way think I think they stupid. can save it is mm. if the guy has a, like, a partner, like a female partner yeah. who they... Who she's like, been fixing all these situations no, 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 up. And, and they betray her. Like, they, like, mm. hurt her to get to him. And then it comes back at the end that she was manipulating the situation right, the yeah. whole time. Mm. And that's then then it's a trio of women. Mm. I don't think it can work any other way. No, no. no but I, I have really bad feelings about that movie now. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was anything with Rebel Wilson in it. I have well, bad I'm an apologist it. for her in stuff yeah, like Pitch Perfect. Wrong. Oh, see, in Pitch Perfect, and no, I will talk about this in the episode because it is specifically to do with Rebel Wilson. Okay. And that thing. <laughs> so, what, but, so what, oh. sorry, before we get into that, what um, I recommend? isn't it romantic? I haven't seen it yet. I want it's to. Straight to Netflix. It's when the to fuck Netflix, did that happen? It's straight to Netflix here. It was so the, the studio they did it like a Cloverfield. It's only in theaters like in Clover, America. Yeah, yeah, because the studio balked. The studio who had the international rights balked yeah. at the release for some reason. They're like, oh, we don't want to. Let's dump it on Netflix." And Netflix like took it because rom rom coms like Netflix's yeah. cash cow at the moment. And so, but they had contractual obligations to release it theatrically in America. So it got released theatrically. Mm. There was a certain week window, and then it got dumped on Netflix. I everywhere. have no idea why it wouldn't be released theatrically in Australia because it has an Australian, like the two leads are Australian. How the fuck did we not get that? We just, because we're terrible. I mean, it's, it might be a bad it's movie. It's too I'm, happy. It's too happy. I'm going to no, There's tonight, no abortion but... plot point. Oh, there's right. No of course. Spousal abuse. You don't you know, know that yet. <laughs> Um, uh, but, but okay, yes. so, so uh, do you have a recommendation for us I this do, week? I do, and this is actually a recommendation from last week. I'm repeating myself, Top Secret. Okay. Oh, okay. I really <laughs> want you to see Top Secret to see if you find it any funny. Because I, I want to watch it with Chanel, because watching it, it like brought me back to this time of this is just so fun and silly, and none of the jokes are mean. They're just fun and silly, and it, it, I I can't explain why I like it so much, even less than. Uh, but what is not on anything, is it? Um, oh, I'll give you the DVD. Sorry, okay. I, I thought it was on Stan or something because no. I know it was on Netflix. I was going to say Stan you're breaking recently. the rules. The rules are it has to be on on demand, Stan oh, or Netflix shit. or Amazon my Prime. Bad. But fine, I will give you my copy of go, Top Secret. Okay, okay. Uh, my recommendation is on Stan. I, you would have seen this, but I don't think you've seen. It. Have mm. you seen Miss Sloan? No, I haven't. Oh, okay, that is my recommendation, and jo- it's my recommendation to Josh as well. It is on Stan. It's a yep. brilliant political thriller with a towering performance from Jessica Chastain. Yeah, brilliant script that landed on the blacklist, and it's a guy who is a nobody. He was an English language teacher, in and he was staying in Korea, and he like faked that he was in LA, and then got his script on the blacklist. And it was oh. it's a really cool how he got it made story, Let's and it got made movie. really fast. But um, Miss Sloan is, I, I really adore this movie, so I am putting that on my recommendation this week. Do you have anything you want to recommend? Zane? I have several things that I could recommend, but I didn't know about this. It must be on Netflix or Stan or streaming <laughs> services. Um, but any of these I could give you. I mean, there's there's an app called Just Watch, which I've kind of just discovered, where you can literally look up the title of something and then see what service 
services it is on. Well, look, I can give you a copy of any of these films, but okay. I'm going to do one that neither of you have seen. Have either of you seen? I'm going to go start with the least offensive one. Oh. Reefer Madness, the 2005 movie adaptation of the musical Reefer Madness. I have not. I've seen about 10 minutes of it. I walked into my sister watching this it. This is the one with um, Kirsten, Kristen Bell? Yes. yes. Yeah. No, I have so not I've seen, seen it. I've, I've partially seen Disqualified. it. Disqualified. Have either of you seen Psycho Beach Party? No, but I do own it because I got it off you when you were moving house. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. Watch Psycho Beach Party. Okay. Fantastic. You're lucky you, you got that one. My next one was Pink Flamingos. Oh, no. Oh, well, suck it. Pink Flamingos, I have seen. Oh, okay. Well, okay. the John Psycho Waters party. The John Waters ocean got quite deep after that one. <laughs> the, I, I do know the iconic eating dog shit scene yes. was done. That's not even the worst real. one in that. Yeah, because I, really? I feel like it's the one everyone focuses on. Yeah. No, there's much worse in but that But that's movie. the kind of thing that makes me gag really bad. Like She fellates her son in that movie. On screen. For real? Yeah. Is it her actual son? No. Okay. <laughs> so it's just a scene of fellatio, which the brown bunny, you know. <laughs> also, we've all seen <laughs> mother-son porn. Come on. <laughs> it's no big deal. Uh some of us don't watch that kind of stuff. That's, that's gross. It's yeah, mother, father, son, son or get out. <laughs> it's daddy and son or get the fuck out. <laughs> Wrong podcast. I have a rant to go on about that. Oh, I, I would love to because I, I probably we're probably on the same page about that shit. But so improvisation in film, yeah. and I, I was like, I was about to consult my notes. I'm like, I have no notes. You don't have any notes because this I is a fully improvised notes. episode. I guess. What do we mean when we say improvising in film? Well. Hmm, good question, because I always see it as uh, Judd Apatow. Judd yep. Apatow, 20-minute improvised scenes that go nowhere. But that's because I always focus on the bad, because <laughs> I'm a very negative person. I that, That's probably the most well-known one, and that's mm. so my biggest gripe with improvising mm. in film. We're just going to jump all over the place. We're never going to follow oh, yeah. up on my, Um It's when, when the movie stops to do the improv bit and then starts again once it's done. And the tone, like, it doesn't match the writing of the script. Good. We've already gotten there. Rebel Wilson and Pitch Perfect is all that. Because Rebel Wilson's bits are always, stuff is happening, story. Oh, look, Rebel Wilson's doing a thing. But She's all doing the a bit thing. Characters, now let's go All away. the bit characters each have their thing that they do. Until and Rebel Wilson is one of them. the second and the third, when it is just Rebel Wilson. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, in the first it one. It works in the first one. I but in the later ones, I would 100% agree They write with the around it. And I think yeah. like with the Judd Apatow stuff, like he writes specifically to let actors riff. Yeah. And I think that's what you think about when you think about improvisation on film is, mm. is like these bits where the actors just get to riff and they pick the parts that they want to use. Yeah. Mm. But there is also a different kind of improvisation in film. And you might not know this, but Mad Max, not Mad Max, uh, Magic Mike. Mike? Uh, stripper? Yeah, and Magic Mike XXL, almost all the dialogue was improvised. Wait, really? See, I was mm. going to say... I did not know this. Iron Man is I a very famous one where Iron Man didn't have a script. They had They wrote the pieces. script day to day. They, were, they had a big meeting in, mm. the, in the trailer at the morning, figured out what they were shooting for the day and then did... They had like the base bones. Yeah, they, they had a be. bones, go Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and that it surprisingly worked. Uh, Magic Mike, I didn't know about. That's, yeah, uh, and like, so I only know this because I came out of those films um, thinking like, why was it 
so bad. Oh, okay. Are they so really it wasn't bad? in a good way. They are, super are they bad. shot well? Because Steven Soderbergh, sure, more than anything, he shoots things well. I just, I've avoided those movies because I feel like. No, the stories and the dialogue and the characters are just bad. Like the characters all have like a gimmick. And that's kind of the one thing that they keep coming back to. So, like, oh. Inside Out. <laughs> uh, Inside Out is, like, gimmick. Anyways, wrong sure. podcast. I, wrong podcast. I guess if one of their gimmicks is that he uses a penis pump a lot. like Oh, yeah, I remember oh, that part okay. of Inside Out. Yeah. Uh, so, like, it's just Disgust. watching just Channing Tatum <laughs> improvise a romantic dialogue scene that is 10 Ooh, minutes long ow. on a beach with no one else there uh, is hard. And it's, it's hard to get through. That would be why 21 Jump Street works is because it's scripted yeah. to sound. One thing I find it is interesting is when things are scripted to sound improvised. So there's a show yeah. called Psych, which when you're watching that show, you're like, that's got to be improvised. That's got to be improvised. No, it's hard scripted. Yeah. Parks and Rec, hard scripted, like to the letter. Yeah. They are hard scripted. Like it's improvised in the writer's room and then hunched yeah. up and edited and punched But what up they again. actually film on the day is yeah. almost to the letter. Um, another interesting, I guess, an interesting take of improvising is in um, in directing. So Adam McKay does this with his stuff yeah. and it worked in The Big Short. It did not work in Vice. Mm-mm. But I don't know if the improvisation, I just think Vice as a whole didn't work for just me. A big, messy, super. Christian Bell being fat? Is that the not right one? Not even that. Not even just that. just mixed metaphors. Just it's everywhere. just it just couldn't pick what it wanted to say or be or do. But right. his what he'll do is he'll because he scripts all of his stuff and he makes them do it to the script a hundred percent. Yeah. Then towards the end, and, and Armando Iannucci does this as well. They do it to the script and then they let the actors have a go and then they blend the two so then it kind of gels and it really works mm. in the Big Short. It works phenomenally well in Veep and a lot of the times they're. They rehearse a lot in Veep and they improvise mm. in the rehearsal, then put it into the script, then do the script. But then they also let them on the set do a little bit. But a lot of the quote-unquote improv of it is yeah. done in the rehearsal, which that's what I like. I mean, you did that too with um, Pete's yeah, Deliverance. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and that's what I, I, I plan to do with any of my comedies. Is I, it, No, actually, you know what? I specifically did it with Lace as well, where I got – I we ran it through – improv? No, no, I, it, there were just a few moments where we ran through the scenes, we ran through the scenes, I took away the scripts and I'm like, all right, let's run through it from memory. And Lydia will say something that wasn't in the script, but it was kind of like in the same vein of the script. And I was like, that is so much better than what I wrote, stealing it. There we go. That's yeah. now in the script. I do that all the time. I know in, it's an interesting version of this. It's in His Girl, His Girl Friday. Very confusing. Don't confuse it with Shane's His Guy Thursday. <laughs> um, Howard Hawks encouraged like a competitive thing between Rosalind Russell and Cary Grant. That's a great idea. As to who, and and they said, and and so they were allowed to ad lib, but they like, and it's what I like to do. I say, and I said this at Redcon Hill, I said, if you're going to ad lib, I'm not precious about the writing, but it cannot sound like an ad lib. It has to sound like it was written. Okay. Bringing it back to Rebel Wilson. That's the problem with her in Pitch Perfect is everything she says sounds ad libbed, whereas nothing else. Melissa McCarthy too. A lot of Melissa McCarthy in stuff. And then there are movies which built, are built to work around her ad-libbing mm. and they are much less obvious than something like, um, what's the movie where everyone raved about her in and she's like, she's berating the school principal. It's one of the, and she has a cameo in it and the whole, th- it's one of those Jason Charlie's Segel Angels. ones. No, not the, the 40 year, the, 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 the engagement. Year old version. She wasn't no, in five year old, uh, five no, year engagement. The, one, the other Judd Apatow one. Um, I cannot even remember what it, it was. It's just a very bad cameo and she just ad-libs. She just gets really angry at, 
the the principal of the school because mm. the kids did something bad. Oh, fuck, I can't even remember it. But um, another really bad improviser in my mind is um, Vince Vaughn. Vince <laughs> Vaughn has a very specific formula to oh, his you mean improv. Vince Vaughn acting, acting, and now he's trying to. I mean improvise. Vince Vaughn. I mean Vince Vaughn is Vince Vaughn, and he just repeats things. He just keeps repeating things, and he keeps getting angrier and angrier, and he's repeating things and repeating things, and and that's his improv. He just. That's literally what any Vince Vaughn, even the good ones like Four Christmases, don't yeah. judge me, Zane. <laughs> even something like Four Christmases, that is his thing. He's there's just better writing around him to cover those kind of holes. Uh, it, that's his his whole shtick is I get angry so rather than like yes it's, and it's like yes and repeat. No, no, no. There's no yes and. It's just repeat and louder, repeat and louder, repeat and louder, repeat and louder, get angrier and angrier and angrier, and that's the improv. I'm like, that's not even improv, because that's a set formula you repeat. I mean, no, it's not improv. Well, it is improv in the sense that he picks where he does that, but it's basically just Uh, a formula (laughs) that he he is comfortable with and doesn't branch out. I can imagine someone being on set just being like, oh, no, he's stuck. He's stuck in a repeat again. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when it comes to, like, true improv... There's not really a place for it in feature films because true improv is usually based around creating a story from nothing. Yeah. Whereas you have a story in mm. a, in a film that you have to kind of either have to stick to or change. Yeah. Uh, which you which like I guess Magic Mike tried to do that, but it was so. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward to watch. Um, this is forty. Is the movie I'm thinking of? Oh, the one where, this is forty. Where, yeah. yeah, and she's the I school teacher because the kids got angry or something like that. Um, I remember one bit in that movie where Paul Rudd has Viagra at the start, and that makes them feel old. Oh, that's the only part I remember <laughs> um, the whole movie. Uh, Paul Feig is one who does that approach where the movie kind of stops, but his writing is in that style of what mm. the improv is going to, and he definitely knows his cast that he's writing for. So something like Bridesmaids, I think waffles on a bit, but all of the waffling doesn't feel detached from the tone. Mm. Yeah. And that's when I always find I have a real problem with, with improv. Is it's, it's just so detached that I hate that the movie stops because I'm like, this is a wasted scene. You're going for a – you've literally stopped the movie to try and find a joke that you don't know where it is. Yeah. And then it's just, it's just, just why, why? But no, I'm sorry, on um, His Girl Friday, uh, they so they were kept trying to ad-lib and kept trying to break each other during scenes. Mm. And Rosalind Russell, who wasn't the best at ad-libber, then went off and hired a screenwriter to write one-liners <laughs> Oh, my God. Her. And so that's why there's a lot of these liners that are in there. But that's the thing is that you cannot tell that that movie – and that movie is at, at tonally – all the improv matches this yeah, hyper-real, fast dialogue. I would dialogue never have thought it was improvised. You it's think it's an Aaron so, Sorkin kind of yeah. steal and, and deal, and it's not. It's ad-lib. And so that's why I always go to my actors. I said that in Red Curtain Hell. Justin has a uh, there's, Justin has this monologue when he, in, in the interval and he berates mm-hmm. him and he's like, "What the fuck was that?" And um, I he ad libbed the line. He says like, "And I'm not going to mention anyone's names here because it was fucking everyone." Oh yeah, that's, that's a great a completely bit. Oh ad- really? Yeah, that that line was not in the original little monologue that I gave him. And but that was my dictum to the actors was if you're going to ad lib, it can, it has to sound like it was written. Mm. It has to sound like it's part of the script. And so that's I tell all of my actors this all yeah. of the time. And I'll let them try and maybe find it in a scene, but I don't like it to stop mm. improv. Find the line. Okay, we got the line. Now we keep going because we didn't know if we got the line. Okay, and then and then the scene kind of goes on. Yeah. I like it to feel written. Yeah. So, uh, oh yeah, that's I why never I, that's, realized that's that was things. improvised. That's, that's a great line. It's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. That's that's what I love. I love. It's my favorite like line that. in the movie. Your writing sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, it does. Well, uh, in so just on a dramatic re- reason, I used improv in late was uh, the whole. 
last monologue was meant to be very off the cuff and very um uh, a, a, a very uh, stream of conscious. I only ever let like John look at that monologue bit once, and then I was like, "Cool, you know the bits. Say what you want." Oh, so okay, he that's would. Cool. So that's why, like, it seems in the in the film, he's kind of like struggling to put his words together because mm. that's what I wanted the character to do. Yeah. The character had never put these things to word before. Mm. Um, and and yeah, like it. So, so that, that to me, my money is the best improv is the one that was being scripted. Yeah, yeah the best. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is a certain kind of performer like what you were just saying mm. that is so confident in their character that you give them the beats that you want them to hit yeah. and they will improvise around those beats and get what you want. I know, I know Jennifer Lawrence, that's her preferred approach to acting. She doesn't learn her lines beforehand. She goes over them in the trailer and then kind of does a facsimile in her own voice of it, which works for the, I know David O. Russell as a director does a lot of heavy yeah. improv and he like starts directing the mid scene. I will say I've met maybe two or three people yeah. who can do that regularly. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's I, – I don't – I'm not really working with a lot of people day yeah. in, day out. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Like I, I would never suggest that, that it, that's not an efficient way to – no, no, you need <laughs> to tell yeah, a story. Yeah, you need you definitely want to have more time on your hands if you're doing something like that. I, I always reckon. Yeah, mo- most of your uh, experiences in theater and other than specifically improv theater, have yeah. you ever used improv in any of your directing? Oh my god, he's making a face and now I know in something's the producers, about to happen. Tessa ad-libbed different oh, yeah. sex games for her to do. It's let's play like um uh, Shout out to Tessa Jane. Tessa Jane Tessa Halliday. Jane uh, what was the Love great work, one? Tessa I remember Jane. hearing it and just watching everyone backstage. Like, let's play the naughty schoolgirl. I'll be the thing and you'll be... Oh, I wish I remembered it because it was really funny but also so risque and everyone was like, what the fuck? There, there was a few places in there where you could get a bit of license because there's a lot of, lot of places where actors are heard but they're mm. not speaking their They're not lines. given set dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah so... Yeah. Um, like, I, I, I mean, can see that moment in the producers. Being I mean, like Franz also has a lot of times where, like, he kind of has to come in yelling and has to keep going until he's stopped. Um, yeah. Or, yep. or, yeah, things like that. Um, but, like, I'm currently in Cluedo, mm. uh, like, which is which an immersive is, in yeah. the ensemble. So that is scripted for the scenes that we have to do but then the rest is entirely audience interaction. How do you plan for that in rehearsal when you don't have an audience? Or do you bring people in to do that? No, we just, honestly, we have have the cast, which are the character, the main Mm. characters, then we have the uh, police officers that basically lead the interrogation in the second act. So they basically come in and try and break us. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Damn, I I was hoping you'd like (laughs) improvise with like, a set crowd people that you bring in because I would want to be one of those people. <laughs> I've been upset ever since I missed my audition. God damn you, Dominoes! <sighs> um, but yeah, so that's but that's kind of I guess that's that bounded improv. Mm. Whereas you have very specific limits that you can't go out of. You can't uh, change the story in any too significant way. You yeah. can kind of work backwards but not forwards. Mm. Um, I, I think know- that's kind of what you have to do especially in film, like you're telling a story and you can't change the main story of the film by improvising something. I do know um, Roma was almost entirely, it 
the director had written a script and it's basically a recreation of a series of scenes from his memory growing up, but none of the actors we ever got to see the script. He'd occasionally show them a section of it. None of the crew had the script. It was all basically made up as they went, which kind of makes that movie slightly more impressive because it feels so cohesive. But you need to be a director of that kind of caliber, having done that much work that was like something like Gravity was like meticulously done mm, yeah. to, a, to a T and you can only really do a movie like Roma after you've done something like Gravity. Learning like, that about Roma, I'm not surprised. Like a lot of a lot of particularly her action and reaction did not seem scripted to me. Like I didn't know whether she had a script but no mm. blocking. Well, he'd, um, change, he'd also changed like so – you know, when the mother's talking to the child about something like that and then he'd say just and, – and when she's talking, you just walk away in the middle of the scene. And so and so to get their reactions to yeah, be more naturalistic, yeah. which that fits that tone of that film quite I was well. hoping you were going to say something in Gravity was improvised. Like the entire time when George Clooney comes back, they weren't expecting that. They were just shooting George Clooney rocked up and they're like, what's happening? because yeah, they shot it in space. They yeah, shot they it just gave, in space. They just, they just gave Clooney his, his jetpack. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we thought we lost you months ago, man. You're welcome back. I'd, I'd love to see like, see, it's funny with improv, improv dramatic stuff. Mm. I find kind of compelling when it's done really well. I saw an improv um, uh, competition thing by Impro yeah. Mafia, sort of a local local group, and a lot of it's always humorous, but then there was one sketch that it was David Masingham. Like oh, of course it is. David really, Masingham is fucking amazing. Really talented improviser, and it, the scene just went dramatic, and you could tell, you, like, you knew, you inherently knew that this was happening on the spot, and it was actually really palpable tension that was being created, and I want more of that and less of using improv to find the ha-ha moment. Okay, yeah. all right. Ooh. So... In, that moment in improv is so powerful because of all the funny bits leading up to it, bringing down the walls and you're no longer worried, you're, no, you're not kind of guarding yourself at all. And then when it goes serious, you can just kind of put all your serious reactions and, and take the scene to this really dramatic place. If you go into an improv scene, if you go in with the intention of making it dramatic and meaningful, that's very hard to access. Well, isn't the whole point is not to go in with an intention of making it one thing or another? It's like if you're going in and saying, I'm going to make the ha-ha and find the funny jokes, it then it's like trying to be uh, yeah, funny okay. is also so not improv, funny. Improv is you have a very – improv as a performance style, you have a set of rules that you go in with. So it's either like how you tell the story, um, like Harold, what, you, like what the you're format. talking about, is finding the funny – um, you that could be called gagging, which basically yep. you go in and you just keep throwing punchlines in, and that does that's not improv. That is a really bad kind of improv <laughs> um, that you usually get in trouble for when you do it with your scene partners because it stops the story. Yeah, improv you want to tell a story that's entirely new um, from impetus and interaction. Um, so what you're kind of do you do you you want to keep it pleasant, which usually takes it into a humorous place because you're basically word associating and that can get a bit wacky when it gets serious. Then you kind of, the whole thing about improv is leaning into the direction and not saying no to where it's going. So usually something leaning dramatic has that potential to lean into real drama. Like I remember, uh, I think it was my graduating show 
Um, it was basically a story about traveling overseas and then it turned into a story about a heroin addicted mother giving birth and no one knew how to give birth and then the baby died and (gasps) yeah it was Jesus weird (laughs) but you know that is you can only get away with Mm. stuff like that and like there were tears and 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 stuff as oh, well, wow. but you can only get away with that because of all the work that is put in beforehand in the acceptance of of whatever happens happens. Yeah, when you're not in a improv, uh, like in an improv performance context, uh, like a film, you can't you can't capture that. Yeah, because you have very you have a very distinct box in which you can perform in. I wonder if anyone's tried to make up a film as they go in terms of never written a script, getting some performance, putting them in like a, a set, it's just find a location, go in a location, start filming the thing and maybe get like two cameras or whatever and then just go. For, I wonder if that's a thing that would. Uh, didn't you get that movie from Vimy On Demand uh, that was almost entirely improvised? Uh, so they, they knew this, they, they gave, they did the Larry, da- is it Larry David who did Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yes. The Larry yeah. David thing. They gave their cast scenarios and then said, play it out. Um, it's called, uh, oh God, what's it On the Rocks. Uh, On the Alex Rocks, Kavortsky yeah. and our Alex and Ariel are the directors. Um, Who you're uh, good friends with because they sent it to you personally. They sent it to me personally. I'm not good friends with them. But I have talked to him. I watched his, he, he, got, he was in Sundance just recently with a film called Squirrel, which is about um, a guy who accidentally gets a woman paralyzed because he's making an in-joke text about the you should have bought a squirrel thing from Rat Race. <laughs> and it's like a dark, like Yorgos Lanthimos style Satire. It's it's a wow. very it's an interesting movie. It's an interesting movie. But anyway, he um, also sent that to you personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was like, I was like, fuck. Let me know if it's playing in a in a festival here. And it's like, I'm like, oh, yes, um, I'm connected. Has he seen Red Curtain Hell? No, because uh, then he would stop sending you movies. Going, this yeah. guy's tasteless. Yeah, 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 yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, but uh, they improvised all the scenes, and but then they played with it uh, visually. They had two C one. They had two cameras running at one time, and a lot of that movie, a lot of the punchlines happen is where they cut in the middle of a sentence and cut to the next thing. So it yeah. was improvised behind the scenes almost as well as in front of the cameras. So there was sort of this cohesiveness, but they knew the plot they were going for and mm. where it was going to land, and so they wrote scenarios for the actors to play. I've always wanted to do that. I have a mockumentary I want to do like that, but I need actors who can pull it off. I reckon you could do a whole movie improvised if you literally go day for day. You go, all right, here's yeah, the location I mean. we have today. You shoot the scene, and then you ha- and then judging on how that scene ends, you're like, all right, cool. That scene looks like it'll be going here next. I've got to find a, now a location. Now we need to find an aeroplane location. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. yeah. Where are we going to get an active volcano? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. producer <laughs> on that uh, job would be fucked, but <laughs> it'd be a it'd be an interesting film. But yeah, I think that's a thank you, Zane. That's a very erudite way of of, of explaining. Mm. I think that's a pretty good place to go. Now, top five. What are we going to do for top five? Because this I entire time you haven't thought of a good top oh, five. Oh, well, I thought of top five movies with improvisation in it or about improvisation mm. or, I mean, because you have like the iconic, you know, I'm walking here, like unscripted. Oh, yeah. unscripted Okay, favourite unscripted moments, I guess. Oh, golly. Should we uh, be a bit... pause the recording while we Google? We should... no. All I can think of is all of Iron Man, uh, I'm walking here, uh, what else is there? I don't like the unscripted moments in Pitch Perfect. I've already said that. 
Just like all the characters, like it'll just cut away and she's talking to a random as character and that character is awkward. Um, I mean, there's like, I don't know. This is hard to do a top five. Yeah. Why did you plan this for like this? Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, I I, 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 I don't, can't remember because I watched Pif- Pitch Perfect recently. I can't remember if I said it before, but have you ever had the thing where you've noticed there's another character there that you've never noticed before? No. Every time I watch Pitch Perfect, I swear they've added another character and I'm like, where the fuck did that person come from? They weren't in this movie last time I watched it. <sighs> That's a cool idea for a movie. It already is a movie. It's called Pitch Perfect. No, a movie where like someone's watch- Oh no, but isn't that like um that Channel Zero TV show? And it's based on and like there's a show that everyone remembers, but that it didn't exist because it was watched in static, and it's like a horror thing. Uh, like like wouldn't it be a movie that changes on rewatch, and then it's like a haunted movie, but like a, a ring esque thing? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I think we're waffling on now because yeah. <laughs> while well, I Google twenty scene, buzzy. I, I don't. I, uh, do, do we want to do a top five? Oh, you know what? Uh, yeah, let's do a top five. I'm just. Uh, I'm, okay. I'm already on Buzzfeed. My my top five's from Buzzfeed. Okay, keep talking. Keep going. Okay, so <laughs> my uh, my number five is going to be Willy Wonka's limp. Uh, when the f- characters first saw Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. Um, that whole limp thing, completely Gene Wilder's idea. Wow. He just went out and did it. I did it. not know that. And the somersault, uh, all of that was all him. And that was the first time any of those actors had seen him. Uh, my number two is uh, scrolling down, scrolling down in Fast and Furious. Oh, I, I mean, anything that Robin Williams <laughs> oh. has done. Robin Williams is an yeah. interesting person because his ad-libs do stop the film, but they're just so fucking good. You don't give a shit. Can you imagine being an animator on Aladdin? Like, <laughs> but that's how, how they did it. How fucking wild so they, would that but job they have been? Scripted, so do you know the story behind it? No, no, do So tell. they scripted Aladdin and then handed it there and he was in the booth and they didn't like what they were getting. They're like, we hired Robin Williams and it's a big thing and we're not getting it. And then someone who had worked with him on something else before turned to the directors and said, throw away the fucking script put a bunch of props in a yeah. room and have him go for it. And that's the, it broke. That's that whole <laughs> intro bit. Is yeah. It will not break. It will, it broke. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's how that happened. They put him in a room and just had him go nuts and then animated it and scripted it to that rather than the other way. So like Al or Din or Lade, you know, like all of those bits, the best fucking bits of that movie. That's yeah. why he was my favourite actor is because he was just – he was almost just like in touch with storytelling in a way that no one really else has been. Also, I think the the, the rapidity with which he could just shoot off different yeah. ideas have and you change seen, direction. Um, I like Aladdin was really written, oh yeah. scripted, real rewritten to him. Mm. Like that's that's just how that worked. Um, and I think they commented on that in Mrs. Doubtfire. In the way that they tried, yeah, his yeah. character was being hemmed in. He was like, mm, "I can't do this." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I what was I going to say with Robin Williams? Oh fuck! I just lost my train of thought. It was really, really good. Um, I'm funny. How like mean like a like a clown? Like I'm funny. Like yeah, how? That's that's uh, Martin great. Scorsese has iconic improvised bits all through his kind of stuff. I know Casablanca was kind of being rewritten as they're going. Oh really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's the famous part in Harry Potter two when. Um, uh, Crab and or Goyle is Harry and he's wearing the glasses and Malfoy's like, oh, why are you wearing glasses? And it's like, oh, I was reading. And uh, Tom Felton forgot his line, which is why he stops for a moment and then just goes, I didn't know you could read. <laughs> and well, that was an improvised bit. That's- um, I think one of my favourite ones is uh, the ending line of, of Goodwill Hunting 
was improvised by Robin Williams. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's such a great, because it's so perfectly mm. is in the movie as well. Oh, that's what I was going to say. So Robin Williams, I'll put this in the show notes if I can find it on YouTube. He did it inside the actor's studio. Um, have you seen this no. episode? Honestly, it's one of the, I rewatched it recently. It's one of the funniest fucking things because, you know, James, you've seen inside the actor's studio before and he has yeah, his set yeah. questions, all that kind of stuff. There is a full seven minutes before James Lipton ever gets to ask a question because Robin Williams just comes in and starts riffing. And then like the first question is like, a, you know, when Billy, Billy Crystal was in here, he talked about legalized insanity. Can you elaborate on that? And then he just goes for another whole bit. <laughs> and then he does, and then he talks about like, literally talks about riffing. And so he just like, he goes to a woman in the audience, he takes a scarf and he just riffs with the scarf for like five minutes. And it, that, that actual taping was so funny. Someone passed a kidney stone. They were laughing so hard. They had to stop the filming <laughs> and send Jeez. them off. Ah, <laughs> ah. That's how funny this thing is. It's honestly one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Wow. I, fuck, I should make that my recommendation. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, my top five is just anything that Robin Williams has ever done. Yeah, ever that's, because that's fair he's, enough. He's my actor. So. <laughs> um, I, I want to say just in the, the, riffing and the comedy thing have i ever spoken about uh specifically for you zane uh damien uh damien cosgriff jillian cosgriff's dad no um i love jillian oh, we all do jillian have you seen she's in um harry potter i know fucking hell man she's amazing um but yeah her dad is uh known as the fastest pun in the west uh damien cosgriff um i've seen uh, him and Lindsay webb Lindsay webb's really great but uh, damien cosgriff has this moment i can't remember i know that the 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 bit is uh, some sort of pun on f- fairy tales or fables, or whatever. Where he'll go to the audience and he'll just get a random person to give him any topic, and then he'll pun on that topic for a minute, oh, and then he'll get dislike. another audience member <laughs> to throw him something, and he'll just pun on that topic for a minute. It's very impressive. Uh, Lindsay Webb, who is probably Brisbane's best comedian, and he really needs to get out of Brisbane because he's too good for us. Um, he had a show, I want to say two years ago called what's your name? What do you do? And that was his whole show. His whole show was <laughs> what's your name? What do you do? Jokes. And wow. then what's your name? What do you do? Jokes. And he did an, an hour of that. Wow. It's amazing. Zane, what's your top five? We've given you time. Uh, <clears throat> well, talking of Robin Williams, uh, the opening to Good Morning Vietnam, just all yeah, that, that stuff. Yeah. That was all I only him. saw that for the first time last year. Fuck me, that movie's good. Right? Uh, so, and then I guess the the iconic one, the bottles clinking in, in the, the Warriors. Walls. Was yeah. that improvised? Yeah. Totally improvised. Cool. Um, that actor... Uh, apparently the bullies on his street used to do that. Oh. Uh, and so he picked it up and started I thought you didn't that. like the Warriors. I do not like the Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that like a whole thing on second take? <laughs> yeah, I was really disappointed in that episode. Uh, look, it's a it's a terrible, terrible, uh, terrible movie. Um, uh, there was uh, in X-Men First Class when they're approached when they approach uh, Hugh Jackman as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he yeah. just blanks. He goes, fuck, fuck off. off. <laughs> <laughs> and they kept it in. Yeah. Um, I think also in Inception mm. uh, where. You've got to dream a little bigger, darling. Yeah. And with a, uh, it's Tom Hardy. Tom right? Hardy. Yeah. yeah. With, yeah. with, uh, with the bigger gun. Bigger that was improvised. The, the line was improvised. Shot. He was going to show up with it. It was going to be like a, um, a Pirates Caribbean little gun bigger gun and he added the line in improvised that so yeah uh, that's good uh and i guess 
uh, it's not so much a line, but um, Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover um, doing the the horrendous things to the baby. Yeah. <laughs> that, so that's a great gag where stuff is happening and they're just... Yeah. <laughs> I was never a fan of him in that movie. <laughs> I'm not a fan of him in that movie. I do like Zach Galifianakis in other things. I love Zach Galifianakis as a stand-up. He is yeah. fucking hilarious. Yeah. Have you seen, Um, it's online, Uh, what's his name, Ken Jeong? Is he the, yeah. the, the doctor comedian? Yeah. Yeah. There's a great uh, bit where they both do Asian and Greek jokes at each other. <laughs> no. And this is this is from like 15 years ago yeah, or something. Yeah. It's shot on really shitty video and it's fucking hysterical. Yeah, I, I really like Zach Galifianakis. I think that the dumb character that he plays in almost every movie mm. is so overplayed now. Yeah. Um, but I think he is, I, he's also very switched on when it comes to improvisation as well. Mm. Um, just becoming totally left of field. Uh, whereas whereas usually like you take one thing and you build on it, he's just like, oh, but what if I was 10 steps ahead and brought it right back here yeah. and then wait for you to try and catch up? Yeah. 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 Cool. I think that was five, wasn't it? Yeah. I didn't count Probably. how many I said. <laughs> it's five. We're improvising. It's five. We're <laughs> well, improvising. Was, uh, um, uh, in being John Malkovich, uh, gets, the hit, and gets hit, hit with it. The, oh. the extra improvise the hey Malkovich thing quick. Or think fast, uh, whatever yeah. it was, and then, then he throws really? a bottle at him. Yeah, oh that, wow! That was that was just a random fucking guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of crazy. Well, that's a good place to end. I think we think maybe don't uh, think. Yes, don't think. And. You're not meant to think. You don't think no. twice about anything. Exactly. Good movie. Just go ahead. Um, so you can find us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Picture Rangers. Email us Mighty Motion. Pi- sorry, Motion Picture Rangers at gmail.com I'm on Twitter at Shane M underscore Anderson and letterboxd at 24 frames uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Chancellor and there's a great movie with a great improvised one line were there any other improvised bits in Red Curtain Hell? Um, you uh, shoot, oh. uh, shoot Pam shoot Pam oh shoot Pam yeah no, and that's in the, the movie the one line I wanted to keep and I couldn't because it didn't cut Right in was the he works on so many levels. Oh right, yeah. um, it's really funny because like that. it's right before I say that, and I could tell I'm just about to say that yeah. when you cut it. I'm and like, I I really killed myself trying to get that in the cut, <laughs> and it just didn't edit in. So well, I, I appreciate it. Well, there you go. There's a, a, a an improvised bit that. Never saw the light of day on Red Curtain Hell. That's found on video Vimeo On Demand. That's vimeo.com slash on demand slash Red Curtain Hell. Use the code Picture Rangers to get 20% off your purchase and or rental. And there's behind, like there's bonus features. And I believe on my commentary track, I do point out a lot of the improvised moments. Oh, really? I know I point mm. out the Justin bit um, and stuff to do with you, stoner stagehands and yep. stuff. Uh, Zane? I'm Zane C. Weber on all the social media. You can find my website at thegentlemanpeacock.com and all of the things that I do podcast-wise at that'snotcanon.com. Sorry, is The Gentleman Peacock a new thing? Because I swear I've never heard that before. The Gentleman Peacock is my... Graphic design. Graphic design slash ah. podcast consulting uh, Ooh, business. Ooh, is that kicking off? Is it I have had a couple of clients. Has yeah. Adam, Adam Sullivan spoken to you yet? He's he an improviser. Has not. Because, ah, yeah. He, Shout out to Adam Sullivan, the person uh, I have not met yet. <laughs> well, you know how you did that post going, hey, we should uh, try and get on a, uh, try and do a cross promotion with a non 
that's not canon production yes. podcast. Well, I had already done that like two weeks earlier. So I was like, oh, I did that my the Doctor Who early. one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did a Paul McGann episode because I'm one of the few people who think Paul McGann's the best doctor. And he is. He's not. But he anyway, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Tune in again next week and we'll have our, come back with our recommendations and talking about them and some more recommendations in two weeks. So watch along with us and you can send us your favourite, like what you yeah. think of these movies. Everyone watches like Psycho that. Beach Party. It is underrated. Okay. You have recommended this to me several times I before. Have. Anyway, tune in again next week and we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.